Hello, I'm uh, Gavin Givanoni, a neurologist uh, based in London, and I'm doing this MSLV podcast in response to a query I got from a patient uh, earlier this week. Um, it happened to be a 56-year-old man who was wheelchair-bound. His EDSS, if I recall, was eight, and he was continuing to get uh, skin infections in his groin area. Uh, and his general practitioner had diagnosed uh, uh, what we call intertrigo, an interfection between the skin folds in his groin, and he was having repeated courses of uh, antibiotics and was using topical creams with uh, antifungal in them. And when he got the infection, he complained about it being a horrendous smell, which was very embarrassing for him, and he wanted to know what he could do. And so this is really about how we diagnose and manage intertrigo. So intertrigo really means between skins, it's a superficial infection or inflammatory condition uh, where skin rubs on skin. So the commonest places it happens is in the armpits, um, under the breasts, particularly in women who've got large pendulous breasts, um, and also um, um, between sk- other skin folds. This typically occurs in people that are overweight or obese, and they, they, they get into trigger between their f- folds of skin, uh, usually around the abdomen, uh, and maybe on the side of their backs, they can often get it. It typically occurs in warm weather, so when you've got perspiration or sweating, and the skin rubs together, and that creates, um, I think it's the rubbing together that actually causes the irritation. And clearly, um, the moisture is essential for that. And then obviously, it's linked to poor hygiene and obviously poor ventilation. If you're not ventilating those areas because they closed off, you you get this from happening. Um, in my experience in MS, it typically occurs in people with more advanced disease. These are particularly wheelchair users who may be having problems with the upper limb function as well. And they have difficulty maintaining hygiene in the perineal area. And perineum really refers to the bottom regions, you know, around the pubic area and, and, and also around the buttocks. Um, <clears throat> and so people have difficulty maintaining hygiene, which is also a risk factor for this. And it's also quite strongly linked to urinary and fecal incontinence, uh, more common in people that are overweight. It's also linked to endocrine disorders, particularly diabetes, and it has also been linked to thyroid dysfunction. So an underactive thyroid probably links to obesity, overactive thyroid, more sweating, for example, probably a risk factor. And then immunosuppressive therapies, um, that probably reduces your immune system and gives you much more likely to get fungal infections, for example. But it's particularly problematic in people on long-term corticosteroids. And then people with excessive sweating. Now, excessive sweating is a problem that occurs in people with multiple sclerosis, almost always occurs in people with spinal cord disease and probably relates to autonomic dysfunction. So in the spinal cord, there's an area of the spinal cord that controls the autonomic nervous system and people can have excessive sweating as a result of that. Um, You may know the term sweat rash. That's another term for intertrigo. And uh, the intertrigo we're talking about is probably not just sweat, it's probably more than just sweat, okay? Um, and uh, I suppose the intertrigo first starts off as a skin rubbing, uh, and then you can get a secondary infection, and the secondary infection could be due to a yeast, particularly candida is very common, or a bacterium, and the bacterium can be a mixed bacterial growth. 
Um, and obviously, if the skin breaks down, you can get pressure sores, you get ulceration, and it can, you know, um, um, lead to septicemia. Even I have seen people um, develop quite severe infections. The other thing that sometimes happens is you get infection of the little uh, hair follicles, and you get a folliculitis occurring within tetrigo, and that can be pustular. You can get, for example, a bacterium called Staphylococcus aureus causing that. And and the bacterial products, you know. The, of foul smelling, they produce these um, uh, um, metabolites that uh, can be very foul smelling. So you, this is one of the things why people that are trying to go often embarrassed to go out, they become more socially isolated, etc. Um, if there are infections, people will require a course of antibiotics uh, or antifungals, sometimes both. Um, and the treatment is usually to improve hygiene, frequent washing, try and improve the ventilation to those areas and you can use topical powders and ointments to reduce the friction between the skin. Um, <clears throat> my personal opinion is you with, with talcum powder, uh, talcum powder is about to get taken off the market globally. You've probably seen the um, class action lawsuit in the United States against Johnson & Johnson's baby powder. You know, it's been linked to ovarian cancer in women and there's asbestos in it uh, and so it, it's really off the market in the United States, and I think Johnson and Johnson are taking it off the market globally. I mean, there obviously there obviously other talc talcs uh, talcum powders, but I suspect the issue around asbestosis is probably because inside the talc that they make it from, um, you will find asbestos. So there are now non-talc powder alternatives that you can purchase. I think they're more expensive though. <laughs> um, but anyway, you can use powders to try and uh, and they work by reducing the friction and uh, it's like basically little ball bearings they're, they're tiny little particles that when you rub they actually reduce the friction and stop the skin from becoming ulcerated then there's ointments um, the one that's most commonly used in this country is one of the zinc based ointments it's called pseudocrim uh, and this contains lanolin zinc oxide and, and, and liquid a paraffin derivative the lanolin which as you know is an oil from uh, from wool is an emollient to soothe and soften the skin. The zinc oxide reduces the loss of fluid and acts as an antibacterial. Uh, and the paraffin component repels fluid and creates this protective seal over the skin. So pseudocreme is actually very useful for uh, intertrigo, but the problem is it's messy and it, you know, it, it, it soils clothing, for example. So people don't like using it. It's very commonly used uh, for nappy rash in, 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 in infants. But there are many other uh, topical ointments, uh, and a lot of them contain uh, antifungal agents in them. So there's one called nystatin, the, uh, and there's one called there's one that's contained the azole drugs. There's one for ketoconazole, for example. That's nizarol topical ointment. There's, uh, so there's a whole range of these that you can purchase from a pharmacy or over the counter. Um, I personally recommend that if people do develop into trigo, that they actually use an antifungal shampoo to wash their bodies with. So use it as an antifungal soap. Um, and the one most uh, most commonly recommend is called Selsum Blue or Nizarol shampoo. So these shampoos are licensed for people who develop uh, type dandruff, and they also have fungal infection uh, uh, that comes from the hair. It's called pityriasis vesicular. You get this mottling color on your on your upper body and the reason is the fungus grows in the hair and it falls onto the body to infect the body and the only way you get rid of this fungus is by using the shampoo not only in the hair but on the body to, to kill the, to kill the fungus 
obviously, if you're overweight or obese, you, you will need to attempt to lose weight, which is a really important risk factor. Now, obesity medicine is a rapidly evolving medical specialty. And over the last five to 10 years, there's been major innovations in, uh, in the field, okay? Um, so in the past, we weren't that, that good at uh, treating obesity, but I think the success rate now has dramatically increased. And some of the obvious innovations are the low-carbohydrate diets, intermittent fasting, combined with behavioral therapy. There are a new range of appetite suppressants um, that are available on the NHS that can be prescribed. There are drugs to reduce absorption of fats, for example, that can be prescribed. Then there's all the bariatric surgery techniques. And we now have the immersion of the glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor antagonists. These are GLP-1 receptor antagonists. You may have heard of semaglutide. This is an injection given once a week. It's now licensed by NICE to treat obesity in people who have diabetes or prediabetes. And there's a second and a third one coming out. So this is going to be an enormous field. So, you know, if you are obese and having problems losing weight, speak to your healthcare professional, your general practitioner, and get referred into an obesity clinic. So one of our local ones has an incredibly long waiting list. You know, about two years ago, the waiting list was about nine months to get seen. So it's best to get referred early so you're in the queue. Um, you know, but there are dramatic things that can be done if you failed other uh, treatments in the past. And then clearly there's very simple things you can do. So bathing frequently and ensuring you are dry in those areas. You may even need a hairdryer to dry yourself properly to make sure there is no moisture before you put on the powder or the ointment, whichever one you find best for you. Wear loose clothes and uh, that allow ventilation uh, and change your underwear frequently. You know, um, you know, um, it's just improve your hygiene as simple as that. Now, if you are incontinent of urine or feces, uh, you really should see a continence visor because in the modern era, you shouldn't be incontinent for these urine or feces. There are things we can do to prevent or manage it. Okay. Don't live with incontinence. There are things we can do to manage it. And so you have to be proactive about this because a lot of people, multiple sclerosis, just accept being incontinent. Uh, and that's not right. You know, you know, falling into the default, what we call a new normal, is not correct. There's something that can be done, particularly if it's having uh, knock-on effects like uh, intertrigo, for example. I think everybody who has intertrigo should have a metabolic health check. Uh, that's to make sure you're not diabetic or pre-diabetic and also have your thyroid function tested. Uh, menstrual hygiene also comes into this. Um, when we talk about perineal hygiene, you know, looking after your um, pubic and buttock area, uh, you know, for women that are quite disabled who are premenopausal and still having periods, you, you need to make sure your menstrual hygiene is also uh, good. And there are a lot of online resources concerning this. But if you are quite disabled and you find dealing with your periods problematic, you know, we have therapies now, both oral hormonal therapies or an intrauterine device, the marina coil, that can stop you having periods. So you don't have to have periods if you don't want them. If you find them difficult to manage, uh, either because they're heavy or prolonged in terms of number of days, and you find it difficult maintaining menstrual hygiene, we can stop you having periods quite safely as well. Excessive sweating, if you are an excessive sweater, um, you can use an antiperspirant in the areas that you've got intertrigo on. 
And you can use exactly the same antiperspirants that you use for your armpit uh, in your groin area and your breasts or, or skin folds. They, they work by blocking the sweat glands. So you stop the sweat glands locally. Um, <clears throat> there are some products that are marketed specifically for the groin, but I think these are more expensive. So you can just buy the cheaper underarm uh, antiperspirants that you can use on your body. Now, there are medical treatments for excessive sweating. We have a whole lot of anticholinergic drugs. I don't like prescribing them because they come with side effects like dry mouth, increased constipation, and they also, if they CNS penetrant ones, can affect cognition, and they generally cause problems. So I prefer not to use anticholinergics. Um, you can have topical Botox injections in the area. So people who've got excessive armpit swelling, for example, can go and get Botox into the skin, and it blocks these sweat glands. And then there's surgery, so you can actually um, uh, inject into the sympathetic ganglion, or you can actually destroy the sympathetic ganglion, because uh, those were the those are the nerve fibers that uh, innervate the sweat glands. So there are surgical procedures. That's actually a last resort, to be honest with you. I just want to say that uh, intratrigo is a red flag. You know, so when a disabled person who has care needs develops into trigo, you know, I always review their care needs to ensure they're not being elected. So it's inappropriate, for example, somebody who, who's got a carer to be left uh, in, con you know, in the urine or feces for prolonged periods of time. And this happens because so, sometimes the carers only come in three times a day and somebody may be incontinent and being left in their urine for hours, which is not ideal. And so, you know, this is a, um, you know, like pressure sores, <laughs> yeah, intertrigo uh, in a very disabled person is a red flag for possible neglect. And so we need to investigate whether or not their care needs are appropriate. Um, the other, I mean, there are quite a few red flags around this. Uh, there's also poor foot hygiene and other complications like yeah, fractures, for example, or it should also be reviewed sometimes. The reason why people are falling or fracturing is because there's nobody at home to help them do X, Y, and Z, for example, and they fall. Um, anyway, this is a topic that a lot of you won't like. Uh, I know when I've done topics around more advanced MS, people get upset. They find them depressing, but uh, you know this is the underbelly of MS and MS care. And I think that if you have got advanced MS and you're getting into trigo, sorting it out can make a massive difference to quality of life. And this particular individual, I'm sure if we can stop him having into trigo, he'll feel so much better because he won't smell. The odor will go away. He finds the into trigo very irritating and, and itchy and it worries him all the time. So sorting it out will make an enormous difference to his quality of life. Anyway, I would like to know from you. Uh, if any of you have had into Trigo, what solutions you found to help treat it, uh, what you've done to prevent it from reoccurring. And I'd also like to address the issue of menstrual hygiene and the suppression of menstruation. Uh, I think that's also worth a discussion. Uh, you know, how many of you women who are premenopausal are taking hormonal therapies uh, or have a marina coil inside you to prevent menstruation for hygiene reasons? Um, maybe a survey, maybe we need to do a survey on this, but I think we should have a discussion. And uh, what I've put up, up here is just a very superficial um, view of what can be done uh, for Intertrigo. Anyway, ask questions if you have, I'll try and respond to them. And for those of you who think these MSLV uh, podcasts and newsletters are worthwhile, 
and I can can afford to subscribe, I would just keep nudging you to subscribe. Um, the resources are being used to support the MS Selfie microsite, and I'm hoping to be able to support the launch of the uh, course for people with multiple sclerosis to upskill them about how to self-manage. Thank you.